article, one thing that struck me was the amount of times the the word Kashmir was discussed in, in the British media, in the British Parliament, and in the British overall in, in this ecological system. Because Britain was one of those places where, you know, if you talked about it, that became the talk of the world, not the talk of the town. The first point that you raised was the silence. And you're right, the silence is deafening. You know, we do not hear the voices of Amnesty International shouting, saying this is a, a chapter of history where justice has been denied. We do not hear all of those NGOs who leap to virtue signal and criticize Bharat whenever there is some uh, event, which relatively speaking is minuscule compared to this seismic event that happened in Kashmir. The silence is truly deafening. And you rightly point out that there is an opportunity for members of all the communities to step forward and say, if this offense to human rights is not addressed, then there is no sense of human rights. Either human rights exist for everybody or they don't exist at all. And it is merely a tool in political machinations. Which of the two is it going to be? Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host, Sri Ayer. Kashmir Files. This movie has really created an impact on a in a post-COVID world when things are beginning to turn back to normalcy. And this movie has really tugged at the heartstrings of everyone who has gone to see this movie. And I have with me Pandit Satish Kumar Sharmaji, who just watched this a few hours ago. And I wanted that first uh, impressions from him uh, on what he thought about the movie and its overall impact on the world. And, and he watched it in England. And he'll share us a little bit more details on how the movie was, how it impacted him and uh, an overall picture of where things stand as he sees it. Uh, Pandiji, Namaskar and welcome to P Guru's channel. How was the movie, sir? Ram, Ayurji, Jai Ram to you and to everybody who's watching and thank everyone for watching on this uh, very harrowing subject. So as you say, yes, I've just been to see the Kashmir files. Um, Vivek Agnihotriji's magnum opus um, and I don't use those words lightly. I'm confident that this film is going to be, in future years to come, is going to be viewed as a turning point, as a pivotal moment in our history. I've been to the film with my family and I was very honored to have been asked to join a viewing of the majority um, Kashmiri Pandits Hindu community here in the UK. So they had all gathered together to come and visit the cinema to view this together. And so I was part of uh, their group to, uh, to, to give them a bit of support and also to better understand their experience. It was a, a harrowing experience. When I emerged from the film, having seen the film with my family sharing the same sentiments, it took us a good five or 10 minutes to compose ourselves in order to be able to speak um, in the cinema hall there were members of the Kashmiri community who were seeing scenes which involved their own families. There were members of the community who fled on that night in January 1990. And I could see, like many traumatized people, people struggle to articulate the hurt and what's been done to them. It's a very, very difficult um, task to do, to confront 
something which has been so horrific and it's deep in your being. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to look at it. You can't find the words to articulate it. And so when that community had gathered and was seeing their hurt and their suffering and the crimes that were inflicted upon them being portrayed on the screen, you can imagine how deeply, deeply disturbing it was for them. The cinema hall from time to time was filled with the sound of people crying in tears, giving each other support. I've never been in a situation which was quite so, um, <coughs> excuse me, traumatic. Even when I think of it now, you know, it's um, difficult to speak of it. The film itself, I'm not going to go into a critique about light and drama and music and all the rest of it. The subject is just far too important to divert anybody's attention towards the technicalities of filmmaking. The film itself, the subject itself, is something that has been so desperately needed to be articulated and shared. And so Vivekji should be given a great deal of respect and appreciation for this task. It was not an easy task. You know, there is uh, another dimension to this. And, and that dimension, it struck me when I was sitting with the community of how much grace and dignity there is in our Kashmiri Hindu Pandit community. You know, we are in an age where people will burn down a village purely and solely on the allegation of a person having offended a book or desecrated a book or made a, a post on Facebook about something which has been interpreted as being offensive. And yet this community they lived up and maintained the highest standards of civilization by not turning to violence. You know, they, they understood that the most valuable thing that they had was actually the, the civilization, the knowledge capital, the emotional evolution, the view of what a human being is and can be and how human beings live together. You know, this is the treasure that the Hindu community in Kashmir was. This is the, the center of civilization which poured out from Kashmir down and nourished the whole of the Bharatiya civilization. And their response to the violence was completely in accordance with everything that you would hold dear in a civilization. So we really must appreciate that their choice that they made was not to flee out of cowardice, but was to flee knowing that they were the inheritors and they were the vessels in their language, in their rituals, in their ceremonies, that they themselves were the bearers of this civilizational wealth. And so they fled in order to protect that. And they fled in order to protect that, but also with the expectation that they would receive the protection of the state. And yet the state itself completely betrayed every trust that was placed in them and the film brings this out very very clearly so the first thing i would like to do is to pay tribute both to um shri vivek agnihotriji and pallavi joshiji and the whole crew who have produced this but even more so to pay a huge tribute to the kashmiri hindu community for maintaining their dignity across so many years and not diminishing themselves by becoming barbarians and inflicting violence um, on any other community. This is a, a remarkable, remarkable achievement and a testament to, both to their discipline, their fortitude, 
but also to their civilizational values. Those two aspects, I think, were the first things that struck me when I came out of there. There were many other people who are not of the community. Um, we were uh, uh, Badmashri Bob Blackman, who's a member of parliament. He was also there. Some policy advisors were there. There were members of other communities there. There were a few people from the English community as well, the host community. And each and every one of them was deeply, deeply moved and affected by, by this particular film. So it is something that I would highly recommend to everybody to go and see, irrespective of what your loyalties are, irrespective of which community you align yourself with. This is a part of our shared history, and it's something that really now needs to be embraced, engaged with, and perhaps move forward. Well, um, I haven't seen the movie yet, but uh, just looking at all the reactions and, and publishing some of the reviews, I, I, I can kind of understand uh, the, the pain and the suffering. Uh, Panditji, the, the, the bigger problem that I have with this is I'm yet to see a single Kashmiri Valley-based Muslim or a Muslim organization come out and say that what happened was wrong. We will, we will make, at least we'll do our best to try and make you feel at home. This is your home as much as it is ours. And, and come back, we have preserved your houses. I'm not saying they were preserved, but I'm just saying even a token gesture that what happened was wrong. Satyji, it is time now that we start asking the quiet majority among every religion to start speaking up. You don't want to be identified by the elements that are the, at the extreme ends of your religion to represent you. I think that is something that I'm concerned about. But more than that, Satishji, one problem that I've noticed, or one thing that I've noticed, one thing that struck me was the amount of times the, the word Kashmir was discussed in, in the British media, in the British parliament, and in the British overall in, in this ecological system. because. Britain was one of those places where, you know, if you talked about it, that became the talk of the world, not the talk of the town. So, you know, you've lived there, you've lived through all these things. Did you realize in 1990 the horrors that had been perpetrated? Because JKLF was very active then. I don't know how active it is now. Sriji, you raise a, a number of points. Um, the first point that you raised was the silence. And you're right, the silence is deafening. You know, we do not hear the voices of Amnesty International shouting, saying this is a, a chapter of history where justice has been denied. We do not hear all of those NGOs who leap to virtue signal and criticize Bharat whenever there is some uh, event, which relatively speaking is minuscule compared to this seismic event that happened in Kashmir. The silence is truly deafening. And you rightly point out that there is an opportunity for members of all the communities to step forward and say, if this offense to human rights is not addressed, then there is no sense of human rights. Either human rights exist for everybody or they don't exist at all. And it is merely a tool in political machinations. Which of the two is it going to be? And the remarks that you made um, reminded me that in 1990, not only were the Hindus, Sikhs, Buddhists, Christians, ethnically cleansed from the valley. But members of the Muslim community who challenged the violence, they were also killed. 
there were an awful lot of deaths at that time. And so it, it wasn't merely that one aspect of uh, uh, targeted religion. It was a desire to cleanse the valley. I think the language they used was to say that the valley was going to be made pure. That word bak appeared again and again. And anybody who resisted the attempt to purify the valley of infidels and kufr was actually siding with Gufford and became judged as one of those. This was absolutely clear that this was the ideology that was at play. And so you're right. And turning to the United Kingdom, the United Kingdom has a role to play in this. You know, the dominoes that they set tumbling in 1947, the policies of the occupying British forces implemented and initiated at that time, they have rippled through history and are still causing suffering. The events of 1990 have their roots and genesis in the policies that were implemented in 1947. You mentioned the number of times, I think over 400 times, the word Kashmir appears in Hansard. And of those 400 times, only on four occasions has the word Hindu been mentioned. The vast imbalance, the the use of Kashmir as a tool with which to beat and browbeat the Hindu and the Indian civilization and nation. It's something that is, is starkly apparent as being a travesty. And so now this film is here. Um, as I mentioned, Bob was at, Bob Blackman was at the showing. I know that other parliamentarians are queuing up to see this. And we as a community are going to do our best to make sure that every member of the Labour Party who have been beating this drum, that the Indian army is the, the source of violence, that there was no genocide. All of this can be laid at the door of the current Labour Party. We're going to do our best to invite them to engage with this side of, um, of the, the debate. You know, I am very much aware that Sir Kirs Dharma, who was the former head of the Crown Prosecution Service, the leading officer, for justice in terms of the political side of the British establishment, that he has a duty to look at this now. His party, you will recall from the last conference, how Kashmir was used to vilify Hindus and by extension the Indian state. The speeches that were made, the allegations that were made and went unchallenged. The denial of the opportunity for Hindus in Britain to speak with them and talk about this genocide. You know, we're crystal clear that the denial of a genocide is actually an act of being complicit with the genocide and extending the suffering. And so we are going to engage with the Labour Party on all of these issues, as well as the Conservative government. And I think we have already started the process, but I think that if the community can come together and demand that Britain acknowledge its role and the consequences of its actions which resulted in this genocide, the British establishment has a duty to step forward and say, yes, we declare that what happened in Kashmir was a genocide of the Hindu people. Now, if the British government is not willing to do that, then I think we're entitled as British citizens of a Hindu orientation and of Indian origin to ask them for the evidence upon which they base their decision not to declare it as a genocide. So this question is going to be posed and we look forward to them responding and giving us some information. You mentioned briefly the JKLF. The JKLF would not be the JKLF without the active permission 
of the British authorities for them to act in this country. Um, many of your viewers may not know that the JKLF was involved in the kidnapping and murder of um, Ravindran Mahatri, the employee of the British, uh, British High, uh, Indian High Commission here in Birmingham. Many of your viewers may not know that Jeremy Corbyn actually stepped forward to speak in their defence. So these are all parts of the British history intertwined with the Kashmir genocide and the Kashmir uh, uh, loss of human rights and the violence that was inflicted. And so I think it's only fair and reasonable to now ask the British establishment and the political party to step forward and be a part of bringing this chapter to a close, of bringing restitution and justice and then healing and eventually reconciliation to this issue. I think they have a pivotal role in it. They've wanted to get involved in it. They have um, interjected themselves into this issue repeatedly for political advantage. And so we should now welcome their involvement and say, this is the next step, please take it. And so we'll do our best to, to make that happen. And uh, there have been a lot of reactions to this movie in India also. And every place people have been completely stunned and, you know, it is a numbing feeling. Oh, my goodness, this all happened because many of us were alive. It was just that one of those things where India was still coming out of the assassination, uh, assassination of uh, Indira Gandhi. And there was a, you know, there was a division inside the greater Hindu community. Uh, by that, I mean, like, you know, Hindus are looking at uh, Sikhs in a certain way. The Sikhs were also not very sure what was happening. I mean, that whole decade from 80 to 90 was a very, very, uh, you know, uh, it was people were really tortured. And, and when this towards the end of the 80s, when this happened, uh, definitely there was a concern. Panditji, I've said this in a previous hangout also, but I'll tell you, I have been to Kashmir two times so far. 1974 and 1980, six years difference. And in 74, everything was very nice. I never saw an outward feeling of hatred towards Hindus. But in 1980, it was prevalent. One of the shocks that I had was when people used to refer to me and my friends, India to me, that was like, you know, you guys are from India. What? Last I checked, you're also in India. And I started picking up an argument with one guy and, and he was bigger than me. And the way he threatened to move, my, my friend just pulled me back and said, you know, it's not worth it. Just let's go on. We had to catch a bus and leave for Jammu. And, and uh, so I could see the sand shifting, so to say. And now I'm also hearing some very interesting things where, you know, uh, in, in some areas where it was, uh, where the movie was screened, there were a lot of disruptions. Uh, very avoidable in my opinion. I mean, after all, you have to see the truth for what it is. You can make your own conclusions. But this is, here is somebody who has done all the groundwork. It took him a long time, Vivek Agnihotri, to put this movie together and hats off to him. I'm sure he had been subjected to incredible amount of pressure. And, and uh, your thoughts on how the world should see this thing. I mean, India is one place, but this is going to reverberate around the world as it starts screening. It started screening yesterday or day before yesterday in, in the Bay Area also. Sriji, you've raised uh, two very important points. One about the situation in Bharat. Now, after this event occurred in 1990, we must remember 
that the India of that time, there was a stranglehold on information, the media and the press. And people in the South were not aware of the facts or the details of what was going on in the North. You know, that um, Doordarshan was the only TV state controlled. There were only a handful of national newspapers. So it was very easy to completely blockade the information and prevent it from being transmitted and passed. And so the state conspired to prevent the whole nation being informed as to what was happening. Now, when I watched this film, it struck me that what Vivekji has sculpted is much more than just a film. You know, this is a mirror. And it's a mirror into which an awful lot of people, people with authority, responsibility, will look and see themselves reflected in perhaps not the best light. They will look at this. They, were, they might try and challenge the facts, but Vivekji and his team are unbelievably solid and stable about the source of information, the evidence that they have compiled, over 700 recorded interviews and corresponding evidence has been gathered to, so that it can withstand scrutiny. And so when these people look at this mirror, they will ask themselves that question. They will have no choice but to ask themselves that question. What did I do? What should I have done? What was my duty? Am I a part? of extending, facilitating, and permitting this genocide. So this mirror is going to be very, very uncomfortable for a lot of people to look into. I think the other thing is that this mirror, we must hold in front of these people so that they are forced to confront it and have a look. You know, I'm, in my mind, I'm remembering the Supreme Court justices who came out with what will, I think history will record as a very arbitrary, and unjust decision not to permit this case to be subjected to a judicial review, to not consider the quality of evidence before coming to a decision declaring that this issue is um, too old and so cannot be um, uh, suitably scrutinized in a court of law. You know, these things are what are going to be seen when people look into this mirror. So I would ask everybody to ensure that this mirror is placed in front of all of the limbs of government and establishment in Bali, and that they are required to look into it and, and reflect upon it. You know, one of the other aspects which brings to my, which is um, brought to my mind, in addition to creating a mirror, I think what Vivekji has done is also create a lens, a magnifying glass, through which we can scrutinize the activity of many NGOs. You know, I am going to, myself and my team, we are going to ask Amnesty International for their records of that time. We all know Amnesty International is very, very vocal at pointing out and ensuring that um, the news of any minor transgression of the Hindu majority um, is amplified and trumpeted across the globe. So we would hope that they had the same sensitivity to what happened at that time. But this magnifying glass allows us to scrutinize the activity of people like Amnesty International, the activity of Manmohan Sindhi and his administration. You know, I'm in my mind, I have that image of him greeting a known terrorist in the highest offices in the land. You know, in my mind, I can still see that photograph of um, Arundhati Roy holding hands 
with a person who was a self-declared terrorist. These sorts of images, they will all be re-scrutinized through the lens of this, this movie. So it is going to have a hugely powerful impact. And what we do need to do is to perhaps use this lens to scrutinize the whole ecosystem, which one supported what was done in Kashmir in January 1990, and indeed facilitated the previous, I think, seven um, ethnic cleansing episodes. They weren't exoduses, they were um, ethnic cleansing pogroms. And that whole ecosystem, again, is going to be brought into under scrutiny through the lens of this film. One thing you mentioned there about cinemas, etc. <laughs> what we're already seeing is all of these forces popping out of the woodwork to prohibit, prevent, to create obstructions, to hinder the movement of this movie. But I, th I think they have misjudged the time. Unlike 1990, when information could be throttled and switched on and off, we now have a situation where a uh, um, a member of a minority community, a peaceful community in Goa, has been booking out all of the seats in a cinema to prevent people being able to book, uh, members of the general community, general republic, being able to book those seats to go and see this film. And it turns out that he's actually the manager of that particular cinema. And I'm sitting here in London being aware of what was done only minutes after it had happened. So the movement of information, the dynamics have changed. If justice was denied and we're confident it was, then any act to prevent justice being delivered now is participating in that genocide. And each and every one of these agencies, players and entities who are acting to highlight um, their desire, shall we say, to prevent this justice from being delivered, they're identifying themselves and adding to the momentum of the movie. They're adding to everybody's desire, whether it's here in the United Kingdom, whether it's on the East Coast and the West Coast, everybody is going to want to watch this. And one thing I would like to add is that this film is going to break out of the um, Indian, um, shall we say, sphere globally. This is going to go mainstream. I'm already aware that people in the United States are actively now considering this as evidence. I know here in the United Kingdom that suddenly members of the British host white Christian community are also aware of this film and they too are going to go and see it. And when it becomes mainstream, that's the point at which everybody will look at all of the stories that have been told and presented, which are biased, which are embellished, which perhaps are even complete fabrications for political advantage. And each and every one of those is going to be reviewed. And it's going to paint the ecosystem which has been promoting this and doing this, whether it's in academia or whether it's in pol political circles. It's going to paint them in a completely different light. And, you know, 30 years of propaganda, misinformation and uh, atrocity literature, I see it evaporating in a very short space of time. And all of our communities, whether we're Hindus, we're Sikhs, or even our Muslim friends and everybody else really should support this movie and make this change happen so that we can all heal and move beyond it. Justice needs to be given, justice needs to be seen to have been delivered, and only then can we move beyond this incident. 
Thank you very much, Panditji. And viewers, uh, do watch this movie. And uh, it's important that we understand our history because if you don't, then we are doomed to repeat it again. Thank you very much, Panditji. Namaskar. In, in conclusion, I just wanted to again um, yeah, go ahead, sir. Yeah. express my heartfelt support and empathy with the community, what they went through and the manner in which they have uh, maintained their dignity and, uh, and dealt with this issue. Justice is long overdue. And so I think everybody really deserves to step forward now and requires to, is required to step forward and give this community the justice that we need. So um, my numbing to them and uh, uh, best wishes to, to them. And uh, I, I sincerely hope that justice starts to be delivered very, very soon. Jeshi Gam Sviji, and thank you so much for taking the time and opportunity for allowing me to share um, these developments here with regard to the Kashmir files. Thank you very much, uh, Panditji. As always, a pleasure having you on our platform. And Namaskar. Pranamji. Jai Shri Ram. Jai Shri Ram. Thank you.